Welcome! You're listening to audio of Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. At ICC, we are being transformed by Jesus to impact our world. Wherever you are as you listen today, we want you to know that we love and appreciate you. We're so glad you're here. We hope today's message will help you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thanks again for joining us. Well, good morning, church family. And um, yeah, I'm so grateful to be here, guys. So we're gonna we're in this series called Rhythms of Grace. Rhythms of Grace. Um, in this series, we've been exploring some pathways, how we can really experience God, how we can really experience intimacy with Him how we can really get to know Him more and live out the call that God has for our lives. And we see in the next slide, we see this cog diagram that Mitchell put together. Of course, he's an engineer. We see all these engineering diagrams here. So we see the first cog here, the rhythms of grace, the big one, the grace of God. The rhythms of grace are an outflow of a God who is full and abundant and overflowing with grace. He loves to joyfully and willingly lavish His grace upon us to more and more for us to experience Him more intimately. And that's why we have these three cogs here. It's, 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 we call them means of grace. How do we experience the grace of God? We experience them through the means of grace. God has given us means to experience Him. It's the means of the Word, means by prayer, and means by fellowship. It's coming straight out of Acts 2.42, where they were devoted to the apostles' teaching Word. They devoted themselves to prayer and to the fellowship, the breaking of bread. So God has ordained in His Word how we can experience Him more intimately, and that's what we're seeing this series How do we experience God? And we call them spiritual habits. We call them spiritual habits. What are these spiritual habits? These spiritual habits are are patterns of life that help us position us to experience God. These are patterns of life that position us to experience us in the waterfall of His grace that God loves to lavish His grace upon us, and He has ordained these means so that we can enjoy Him and exalt Him and glorify Him ultimately. So that's why we do this series called Rhythms of Grace. Ultimately, it's, it's all enabled and empowered by the grace of God. So last week, we saw we are in this means of the Word. Last week, we saw how do we read the Bible from cover to cover. How do we read the Bible? How do we see the redemptive narrative of Scripture, the story that God is writing for our lives from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation? How do we read the Bible? How do we make how important it is to, to, to read the Bible in breadth? But this week, we're going to start to see just how do we study the Bible? How do we study the Bible? 
we not just read the Bible for breath, but also studying the Bible in depth. So that's our topic for today, studying the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 15, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, if I can find Timothy, great, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Then let's turn to Psalm chapter 119, Psalm 119, verse 18. Psalm 119, verse 18. We'll read this verse and then we'll ask God to bless our time together. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Let's pray. Holy, holy, holy God Almighty, the earth is filled with your glory. God, we, we come together to you, the Lord who is seated up on high, to experience you, to know you, to see you, God. Like Isaiah in Isaiah 6, who saw the vision of God. We want to see you, Lord Jesus. So like the psalmist says, open my eyes, open our eyes, O oh God, this morning to see the beauty of Jesus Christ. God, we pray that you would, that you would feed us today. Here's your sheep. I hear the word that you said to Peter, feed my sheep feed my sheep. So God, here we are, your sheep, eager and expectant for you to feed us, God, with your word. So show us, show us, Jesus, show us your word and feed us and ultimately satisfy us for your glory and our for joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys. So 
I've just structured this message very, very simply. Um, we're just going to walk through what is studying the Bible and why do we study the Bible and how do we study the Bible. Super simple. If you're type A's, breathe. This is where we're going at. What is studying the Bible? Why do we study the Bible? And how do we study the Bible? I, I want to focus mostly on how do we study the Bible because my goal and our goal for, for us today is when you leave these walls, that you would be empowered to study the Bible on your own, that you would not feel crippled or anxious as to how do I study this, but, but to really give you some tools and to empower you to study the Bible for yourself. But I do want to lay a foundation on what is studying the Bible and why do we study the Bible. All right, so now first we're going to see what is studying the Bible. All right, so here's the definition. So you can note it down. Take, take some notes as you're reading God's Word. So this is the definition that we put together. Studying the Bible is the eager commitment to rightly understand and apply God's Word. Studying the Bible is the eager commitment to rightly understand and apply God's Word. I'll give a second for you guys to take note of that. Why don't you guys say it with me? Let's say it together. Studying the Bible is the eager commitment to rightly understand and apply God's word through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Awesome. So, so every word here is, is very, very intentionally put, and, and we're going to unpack this definition a little bit here, okay? So studying the Bible, what it is, is it's an eager commitment. It's an eager commitment. Studying the Bible is for anyone and everyone, guys. Studying the Bible is for anyone and everyone. The one who's really eager to see God's word. And that's why the psalmist says, open my eyes, O Lord, to see wondrous things in, out of your law. Open my eyes. Your word is so wonderful. He's so eager to see. And even in another place, in Psalm 119, he says, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Oh, how I love the law. Studying the Bible is for every single person. It's the deep things of God. Take this down. The deep things of God are not just for the elite. They are for the eager. The deep things of God are not just for the intellectual guys. They are for the eager Somehow in our church Christian subculture, we've, we've created this amateur expert divide where we feel like, man, I can't really study the Bible. I'm just a regular guy. Studying the Bible is, is really for pastors or, or like ministry leaders or people who have gone to seminary. No. Listen, God put the cookies in the bottom shelf. I just had crumble cookie yesterday. It was really good, so I just thought of that. But God put the cookies in the bottom shelf. It's for everybody, guys. Anybody can mine and understand God's word. 
I mean, God loves people who don't even know to read. Look at Peter. Look at the disciples. Were they PhDs? They were fishermen. God has given us this word. And it's not a cloud in front of us. It's for the eager. We can study and understand God's word. And it's not just an eager thing, but it's, it's not just for the eager, but it's also for the committed. It's also for the committed. Studying the Bible takes commitment. Studying the Bible takes hard work, guys. Studying the Bible takes effort. Studying the Bible means that you, you say no to certain things. Studying the Bible means that you rearrange some of your priorities. Studying the Bible means that we, 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 we get some skills and be trained to understand His Word. It takes commitment. It takes effort. It does not come easily. But sometimes we just want it so easy, you know? We just want it so easy. One thing about me, if you don't know this about me, I, I never used to cook. Like, never used to cook. I think I cooked a couple of times and it really, like, bombed on me. So um, my pets even didn't eat it. So I just didn't, like, cook after that at all. So, I mean, even growing up, like, parents cooked for me and, like, there was food always on the table. We had cooks. Um, and, yeah, so never really had to cook at all. And even, like, coming to the U.S. eight years ago, um, God really blessed me with some really good cooking roommates. Like, I just survived, uh, rode the train with, with how they cooked. And I was just very generous. I mean, they were like, hey, I'll cook it, and, and you do the dishes. And yeah, I'll buy the groceries and everything, and I'll do the dishes. Please, feed me. Um, and they did. It was awesome. And so, and even they, when they were busy or things like that, I would just like Uber Eats. Um, I would just like press a button and I just lived on the island. Hey, Gus's, give me a blackened chicken thigh or whatever. Um, I would just eat it and uh, or go to Miss Cordelia's or grab a sandwich. So it was just, I would not cook at all. A few months ago, I got married um, and that's not even the joke. You guys are laughing for that. <laughs> Um, yes, that is a miracle that I got married, okay? So there's still hope for you guys. Um, but a few months ago, I got married, and we were talking about, okay, how are we going to do food? And Ashley was like, um, all right, John, we're not going to be eating out all the time. We're, we're going to meal prep, and we're going to eat healthy, okay? Uh, and I was, in my mind, I was thinking in my mind, you're going to meal prep, and I am going to eat healthy, um, I didn't say that out loud. It was, it's too early in our marriage. Um, so, so, but slowly but surely, she invited me to the kitchen. You know, you, you go in, and I'm like, what is all these things? There's like hundreds of spices in here. Um, and, and I was just overwhelmed, like didn't know what to do. Then, but slowly but surely, you know, she, it, it's hard work, guys. I mean, it is hard work. Uh, I mean, even cutting the onions, like cut the onions in 40 seconds, I started weeping. I don't even know why. Like, and she's like, walk it off, John. And I, I, I go to the living room, do our tear walk. And it's, it's, it's hard work. And I didn't know what to do. But then, but surely and slowly, I started 
to learn how to cook. Um, and this is amazing. Like, we even went to Target and got me a lunch bag. Like, I didn't even have a lunch bag, guys, until that point. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm at work, and I'm in my lunchroom trying to eat my lunch. And I look at my lunch, and I'm like, gosh, I made this. I made this thing. And it does not suck. It's great. <laughs> it's great. And, and I was just thinking, man, Uber Eats was convenient and easy, but, but I was just filled with the joy and fulfillment that I made this food, and I get to taste it, and I get to enjoy it, and I was just so happy. And I was thinking, man, isn't, isn't that how we kind of approach studying the Bible too? It is hard work, but man, I, you know what? I'll just... Uber eats my spiritual food, go to YouTube, John Piper sermon, and then we just take in the food that he has cooked, and he's delivering it to you. Isn't it so easy to not put in the effort and the commitment to study God's word for our own selves? I mean, guys, that was not Michelin three-star food. But it was my food. I had made it. There was this new sense of joy. There was a sense of fulfillment that God has revealed his word to us and it's right there in our hands. And sometimes we are too, it's just too hard for us to put in the effort to study his word. So guys, I, I think it's, it's really important for us to know that studying the Bible takes hard work. But when you do that, God will meet you there. And the sense of joy and fulfillment that you will get out of creating your own meal, your spiritual meal, compares to nothing that you can receive through a devotional or a sermon or a podcast. It might be easy to do that, but the joy, but the fulfillment, but the act of seeing God speak to you through his word, the living word of God, the active word of God, there's nothing that compares when you meet with God and make your own meal and be fed by it. I'm not saying those things are wrong. Podcasts are great. I listen to John Piper all the time. It's all amazing. But... It's not your food. Let's make our own food. The Bible and the Holy Spirit is for us. All right, next. It's, it's also a commitment. And, and what do we do? We do, we want to rightly understand and apply God's word. To rightly understand and apply God's word. In 2 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, hey, do your best to present yourself approved before God rightly handling the word of truth. Rightly handling the word of truth. When we go to the Bible, we want to see what God has meant here, not what we, have, what we mean here. We want to understand God's intent and God's meaning behind this passage. And not just that, we want to understand, but also we want to apply, to want to bridge the gap 
to how we can live rightly in the call that He has for us. I mean, studying the Bible is very, very different from reading the Bible, guys. Studying the Bible is very different from reading the Bible. Reading the Bible, you move through passages consistently at a, at, a, at a pace that hopefully you glean something. But studying the Bible is you pause, maybe take three or four verses, and you just pause, and you linger, and you, and you ask questions. You see words. You see words like, so that, and, because, therefore, and you, see, and, you, and you see the logic behind the passage, and you really crawl underneath the text to see the author's meaning, and you apply it to our own lives. You pause when you study the Bible, and we want to understand it rightly and apply it to our lives. And not just that, we have to learn all of this through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Guys, we cannot do this on our own. Anybody, you know what, it's easy. It's easy to study the Bible as an intellectual. But the difference is, unless you have the Holy Spirit in you, you cannot truly understand the Word of God. Unless you have the Holy Spirit and you cannot truly understand the Word of God, even this morning talking to one of our sisters in our church, without the Holy Spirit, it's just hard to put in the effort to study the Bible or to even read the Bible. Even in our discipline, it only can take us so far. But the Holy Spirit gives us both discipline and delight. The Holy Spirit illuminates His Word to us. It's His Word, so He illuminates it to us. So that's why, guys, reading the Bible is a divine encounter. Reading the Bible and studying the Bible is a divine encounter. You and I are in the very presence of God when we study the Bible. Are in the very presence of God. Catch, I mean, some, we, we, get, we, get, we lose track of how significant this is. The Holy Spirit of God himself is with us when we study the Bible. And what a great encounter that is. So that's why we study the Bible with prayer before, during, and after. Asking God, God, Holy Spirit, open my eyes. Show me things that are in your word that I've never seen before. Edify me, convict me, change me, mold me, shape me into the man or the woman that you want me to be. Because without, without your spirit, I cannot do anything. Without your spirit, I can't do anything. So only all of this is possible. You can have the eager commitment and you can know the skills to rightly understand, but without the Holy Spirit, guys, we will not be able to understand His Word. Studying the Bible is the eager commitment to rightly understand and apply God's Word through His Spirit. All right, so that's the what. So that's the what. So now let's go to the why. Why do we study the Bible? Why do we study the Bible? I've given a statement here. The purpose of studying the Bible is primarily these three things. 
And if you're part of the Men's Bible Collective, you probably have seen this before. I just gave this to the guys before we started this semester. Why do we have a learning environment like that? We have a learning environment like that to know God accurately, to love God affectionately, and to reflect God radiantly. To know God accurately, to love God affectionately, and to reflect Him radiantly. Let's walk through to know Him accurately. To know Him accurately. See, I did not say that that you need to know the Scriptures, although that's so important. But the point of the Scriptures is to know God accurately. To know Jesus, who He is and how He has revealed Himself to be in His Word. The point of the Bible is not the Bible. The point of the Bible is to point to Jesus. And that's why Jesus rebukes the Pharisees in one passage and he says, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have life. But they are those that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me. You search the scriptures, you're mining, you're digging, you're understanding but you think in them you have life. But they bear witness about me. Scriptures point to Jesus. Scriptures are not an end within itself. Life is not found in the Bible, guys. Life is found in Jesus. If you're studying the Word of God just to know the Word of God and not the God of the Word, then you miss the whole point of studying the Bible. And that's why it's so important to ask, what does this text show me about Jesus? What does this passage show me about God? It's not just knowing Him, but also knowing Him accurately knowing him accurately. Has, has anywhere in the Bible, has, have you, whenever you've read the Bible, has, has God ever confronted you in the Bible? Have you ever been really, man, Jesus, you're rubbing me in the wrong way here. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like, God, you did that in the Old Testament? Good Lord, I wouldn't have done that. Have you ever felt, man, really, mm, this is not right? If not, chances are you're probably not seeing God accurately. This is what Tim Keller says. If you don't know who Tim Keller is, he's the Jedi of the Christian faith. He is amazing. And you will know why in a second. Read this quote, okay? So he's saying here, Now, what happens if you eliminate anything from the Bible that offends your sensibility and crosses your will? If you pick and choose what you want to believe and reject the rest, how will you ever have a God who can contradict you? You won't. You'll have a God essentially of your own making and not a God with whom you can have a relationship and a genuine interaction. Only if your God can say things that outrage you and make you struggle, as in a real friendship or marriage, will you know 
that you have gotten hold of a real God and not a figment of your own imagination. So an authoritative Bible is not the enemy of a personal relationship with God. It's the precondition for it. Isn't that amazing? I told you he was the Jedi. But what he's saying is, if, if God in the Bible does not confront you or outrage you, or if you don't struggle with him, man, I, don't, I don't know why God did that or did, did that. You're not worshiping the God of the Bible. Like any relationship, like any relationship, the authoritative Bible will speak things that are hard for you to hear. We, sometimes we have this feeling of God as if he's this floating, mystical creature with like really nice shampooed hair and really just glowing. And, um, but that's not how the Bible reveals himself to be. We want to know him accurately. We want to know him accurately. And the next one, we want to love him affectionately. We want to love him affectionately. Knowing him accurately leads to loving him affectionately. When you fill your minds with the thoughts of God, your heart will be moved with affections for God. When you fill your mind with the thoughts of God, your heart will be stirred with your affections for God. But it's so easy, guys, to study the Bible and not fall in love with God. It's so easy. The Pharisees did it all the time. You know what the Pharisees did? This was a, one of the best rebukes that Jesus gave the Pharisees. You know, he says to them, Woe to you, Pharisees, for you, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb. I mean, the Pharisees were tithing on their spice rack. Literally, they were, they were putting paprika in their offering boxes. They were tithing their spices, but they neglected the love of God. You can even follow the word of God to the T, cross all the T's and dot all the I's, but miss the point of loving God. The Bible should lead us to loving Jesus. To loving Jesus. Does your doctrine lead to devotion? Whenever you study the Bible, does it stir your affections for God? Oh, God, if you have done this thing for me on the cross, oh, I love you, Jesus. It's one thing to say, oh, Jesus is this, Jesus is this, Jesus is this. But it's another thing to say, oh, I love your patience towards me. I love your grace towards me, God. I love how you love me. Does your doctrine turn to devotion? Does your theology turn into doxology where your heart is just worshiping the God of the Word? That's why the psalmist says, Oh, one thing that I've desired, one thing that I've asked for, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to meditate upon the beauty of the Lord. And he also says, oh, as the deer pants for the water brooks, my soul longs for you, God. Where is the longing that we see the psalmist have? Does our doctrine lead to us enjoying him, loving him, and just delighting in him? 
So that's the point of the Bible, to know him accurately, to love him affectionately, and lastly, to reflect him radiantly. To reflect him radiantly. Catch this. this is, what you fill your mind is what you will care about. And what you care about is what you will chase after. What you fill your mind is what you will care about. And what you care about is what you will chase after. When your mind is full with the thoughts of God, when you are just stirred with the affections of God, obedience is just an overflow of that. So that's why Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. For the longest time I heard that as, if you love me, you better keep my commandments. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you love me, that's the emphasis. If you love me, if your heart is just overwhelmed with love for me, you will automatically obey me. This is not some kind of white-knuckled or, or brown-knuckled obedience. This is, this is real obedience that's coming from a heart that loves Jesus more than anything else, that he is the greatest treasure of my life, that my heart delights in him, that he fills the deepest longings of my heart, that nothing ever can separate me from the love of God. Love leads to obedience. Knowledge turns to love. Love leads to obedience. And this is what we say, head, hearts, and hands. What you think about is what you care about. What you care about is what you'll worship. The purpose of the Bible, the purpose of studying the Bible is to know Him accurately, to love Him affectionately, and to reflect Him radiantly, to radiantly. Awesome. All right. That's the purpose of the Bible. That's the why. The last one, we're going to see how do we study the Bible. How do we study the Bible? I'm just going to use only a few more minutes here. Um, I'm running out of time. So how do we study the Bible? Um, I just... I just want to walk you through. So this is very practical, okay? So, so if you have your Bibles, open it up, keep it in your hands. If you have it in your tab, just open it up. And I want you to grab a Bible and a pen and a paper. Just let's be active participants, active listeners. And I want you to just walk through a passage with me. I want to study the Bible together with you guys. So how about let's just walk through a passage and ask some questions and study the Word of God together. Isn't that great? So, so grab a Bible, grab a pen, grab a paper or your notes section in your phone, whatever it's preferred for you. Let's, let's go after it. So, okay, so, so what we're going to do is we're going to study the Bible together, okay? So this is how I study the Bible, and I just want to walk with you guys through it. So we're going to pause at a text. We're going to linger. We're going to ask some questions. And this is going to help you study the Bible for the rest of your life. This is probably should be a workshop, a day workshop. I'm just condensed it to like five minutes. So please bear with me if this is like drinking out of a fire hydrant. Okay? So, so the questions that we're going to ask the Bible is, is structured into three categories. Okay? Observation. What does the text say? 
interpretation, what does the text mean, and application, how do I respond? Super simple, right? What does the text say? What does the text mean? How am I going to respond? Okay, so if you have your Bibles, open with me to Hebrews chapter 12, okay? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. So just three verses, okay? Just five more minutes. Three verses, we're going to dig deep, ask some questions, and see what this passage really means, okay? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, all right? I'm going to read it. So everybody, on your Bibles, look at it with me. I'm not making any of this up. You can literally do it in your closet, in your bedroom, okay? Let's do it. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, okay, that's right there. Therefore, since we are surrounded by... Uh, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Okay, so observation. We just read the text, all right? So typically, if you're in in your room or wherever you are in your coffee shop, you pray right now. You pray and asking God, saying, God, please open your word to me. And then you ask some questions, okay? High-level questions. Before you ask questions at the text, you ask questions about the context of which the text is in. You're going to ask, who wrote the book? To whom was it written? When was it written? Why was it written? Okay? So if you want to take a picture of this so that you can use it later, you can feel free to do that, or you can get the PowerPoint from the media team. Who wrote the book? To whom was it written? When was it written? Why was it written? All right, I'm going to answer that question for you for time's sake. Who wrote the book? We don't know. I have my opinions. We don't know. All that we know, that the book of Hebrews was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we have the divine author writ all throughout. So the book of Hebrews, we do not know who the author is because he's not revealed himself in the book. To whom was it written? It was written to the Hebrews. It was written to the Hebrew Christians, especially to the Jewish Christians, okay? When was it written? Before 7080. Whenever you study the Bible, 7080 should be a really, really pinnacle mark in your, in your mind because 7080 was when the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. Because this passage talks about sacrifices, ceremonies, and all of that, probably this book was written before that to the Jewish Christians, okay? So why was it written? Why? Any, any author, when somebody's writing a letter to you, there's always an intent. There's always a purpose, right? Why was it written? It, they experienced, the Jewish Christians, the Hebrews, they experienced so much persecution by both the Jews and the Romans. They had so much temptation to go back to Judaism, They were just so afraid. They were just so weak in their faith. So they wanted to go back to Judaism. So the author of the Hebrews is encouraging them, saying, hey, guys, 
Jesus is the one who ultimately satisfies. So that's the purpose of the book, okay? So context questions. So next, we're going to ask some questions about the text, okay? So remember, we're going to ask some questions on the text. What are these questions? We're going to observe, are there any connecting, linking words? For, so that, therefore, and, but. Are there any repeating words or phrases? Any words indicating mood, emotions, or figure of speech? It's important to not just understand the meaning of the text, but also the mood of the text. And what's the logical progression in the author's argument? I mean, this is high school English, right? Like, whenever you're reading a book, this is how you just understand a book, okay? And we are going to approach the Bible in the same way. All the principles of grammar apply, okay? So connecting, linking words. If you can go back to that slide, please, thanks. Any connecting, linking words, repeating words, words that indicate mood and logical progression, okay? Um, Next slide. So we don't have time, so I'm just going to give you this, okay? Any connecting words, okay? Verse 1, we see therefore. So whenever you have therefore, you ask the question, why is that therefore? Therefore. So it points to the passage that is before it. Chapter 11, therefore, and we see a since. Since, what does since do? It gives the summary. It gives the basis. And then we see for in verse 2. We see so that. So that is the end statement. For gives the reason behind it. For, because, and all of that's the same. Any repeating words? We see in verse 1, he says, let us. Twice in verse 1, let us. And, in, and, and there are some other repeating words. One is that, endure. In verse 1, verse 2, we see endure. And verse 3 we again see endured. So we see the repeating words here. Next slide, please. Any words indicating mood or emotions? Mood. Typical mood here is like exhortation. It's encouragement. Hey, let us. Let's, let's go. Let's endure. It's, it's, it's exhortation. And then any figures of speech. Here he's comparing the Christian life to a race. If you see in your Bible, he says, let us run the race that is set before us with endurance. And what's the logic behind the text? This is so important, guys. Whenever you read the Bible, whenever you study the Bible, you need to understand what the logic is behind the text. So he's saying, essentially, since we have the example of the saints in Hebrews 11, that's the therefore and the since. Let us run the race of Christian life, focusing on Jesus, who endured the suffering for us out of joy. That's kind of the logic that the passage uses. So next, so now we have just observed it, okay? We've just observed it. Now we're going to interpret it, okay? Now we're going to interpret it. What is interpretation is? It is literally asking, what does this mean? Okay? So whenever, you inter whenever you're interpreting it, you're asking the question, what did it actually mean to the original audience, okay? What did it mean to the original audience? This is the most important principle that you can understand. The interpretive principle means it cannot mean for us what it did not mean for them, okay? It cannot mean for us what it did not mean for the original audience. 
And that's why even in Revelation, gosh, that book has been robbed from us so many ways. The mark of the beast is not the vaccine, okay? Just, just that's free. This is free. That's the interpretive, that's why the interpretive principle is so important. It cannot mean for us what it did not mean for them. And how does other scriptures point to this particular theme? And we're just, the next slide, I've answered this, but I want you to go home and just do your digging. Really study the word of God and to really interpret what this really means. Next slide, please. And the last one is application. How do I respond to this? How am I going to respond to this? What are the questions do I ask? What are some timeless truths that apply to that audience, to the original audience, that apply to even me? You're bridging the gap from their, in their context, their historical particularity to your relevance right now. What is something that I learned about God? What is something that I saw about God, of his works, of his nature? And the last couple, what does this passage require for me to do? And how can I share or teach this to others? So these are some questions that you can ask regarding the application. So take a note of this so that you, no matter what text you guys go to, and this is the beauty of this, no matter what passage in the Bible you go to, these apply. These same questions, take an hour and write a, take a pen, pencil, whatever it takes to ask questions off the text. Then I've answered it in the next slide, but we don't have time. But all I want to say is, this is how you study the Bible. Observation, interpretation, and application. Observation, interpretation, application. And that's why we have our learning environments to, to help you, guide you to study the Word of God for your own self so that we can cook our own meals and to enjoy Jesus by seeing the joy and the fulfillment that He gives us through cooking our own meal and not depending on others for spiritual maturity. So that's the goal that we do, why we do. I'm concluding. So all of this, so we studied the what, the why, and the how. And all of this is meant for us to make disciples, guys. It's, it's to make disciples. It's to... It's to Go to all the nations and to teach. With this particular questions, you can go to South Korea and teach the people there. You can go to anywhere in the world. And I've used this even in my own country. It applies. It's timeless. This is how we study the Bible. To make disciples of all nations. To teach them all that I have commanded you. How would you do that if you don't know how to study the Bible? This is all about making disciples of all nations, and not just your quiet time. It is important, but it's much, much, much bigger than that. It's making disciples. Now, as the band and the prayer counselors come, we're just going to close. I want to tell you guys that there's so many riches in God's Word. There's so many diamonds in God's Word. And I want to give you guys space to really see where you can carve out some time this week, maybe this month, and I know we're all busy. We have so many things going on. But 
the Bible is life. Jesus is life in and through the Bible. So let's dig through it. When you're raking, you only get leaves. But when you dig, you unearth diamonds. You unearth diamonds. So the diamond is here. Will you take some time this week or this month to dig into God's word so that you will be filled with the fullness of God and that you and I will experience him to love him more and to make him known among the nations so that you and I will be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit from one degree of glory to another by the power for the glory of his name and for your joy. Let's pray. God, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to, to, to really see you, God. You wrote a book. And you reveal yourself to us through the book. Help us be people off the book to study your word, to mine it, to dig it, to unearth it, to feed on it, to devour it, and ultimately be satisfied by you. Oh, Jesus, I pray that you would fill our hearts, empower our spirits, enable our wills to step out of this room and to see the glories of Jesus Christ in his word. To that end, I pray you move among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us for today's Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis. We want to encourage you to join us in person for worship soon. No podcast can ever replace the good design of God in gathering in person with other believers for worship in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with ICC, you can visit us at iccmemphis.com. As we close, we offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Thanks again for joining us.